Scott Files Advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave. In an undisclosed location in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, God's country. Well, almost undisclosed. I guess everything is on some camera somewhere, someday, somehow. But anyway, we're here, and we are in the Mellon Law Studio, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gator, and protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. John and Randy, right? John Pastore and Randy Elrath. Take good care of you locally. Keep you safe and sound. Well, um, got a lot of good sponsors. Patronize them. They patronize us. And um, get that caliber coffee. We get a little cut off of that if you do. It never a little cut here and there. It doesn't hurt. Caliber coffee. And uh, order it right online. Say Ward 15 and you'll get 15% off. And every little bit helps. R&R Construction. Good friends. Uh, do good work. So, where are we? Well, let me get this out of the way before I forget it. We're going to take Monday and Tuesday off after New Year's, just like we did for Christmas, because they have come a week apart on the same days a week later. So it stands to reason. And um, one of the things that you can expect to be covered up in is football. I, You know... I guess it's become a cash cow. We've been talking about it and talking about it. I think there are 84 teams, 42 bowls. My great research assistant keyed me up on that. Who likes to remain anonymous, by the way. And there's a lot of you out there. I really appreciate it. But not Florida. Florida's not in it. Wow. But there's also all the pro football. And eating up the news, I got, we have production now, we're going to have some fun with this with you. Eating up the news are now they've become known as the lovebirds, all right? The lovebirds, none other than. Taylor Swift and this Kelsey kid. He's actually 34 years old, so he's not a kid anymore. Travis Kelsey. He's got a brother, a big concrete block type body, plays center for the Eagles, gets no ink, is married, lives a whatever you want to call it, stable life compared to his brother, evidently. Does his job day in, day out. And the only ink he's getting 
is in ads with his brother, or they fight over a bowl of soup or something, and the mother comes out and straightens them out. And and uh, so the boy who's the center, he's been plugging along forever in the leagues, in the NFL, but he's just now getting ink because his brother, who's been in the NFL, but hasn't been the only tight end in the NFL, of course. We had Rob Gronkowski, who ate up all the ink, rightfully so, as a tight end. <clears throat> tight ends are really interesting characters. Uh, they've got to be multi-talented. They've got to have the moves and the speeds of the receivers, but the blocking ability of the tackles whom they play next to. And um, very interesting character, physically. Usually tall and um, very quick. So Ronkowski was the one, but he retired. And along comes Kelsey, but he's kind of hidden in the background, except the Chiefs are a good team. And he takes up with this Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift somehow has has got the world right now by the yo-yo string. For whatever reason, she makes not just millions, evidently, but billions off of running around plunking on the guitar. And she's in her 30s, so she and Kelsey are about the same age. And who would have thunk it that a guitar-playing girl playing, I guess, country, I don't know what it is, shows up at a football game and shows up in the owner's suite watching, guess who? Kelsey. Oh, boy. There we got that production doing a great job of this. There she is. They get her all over. Get her on the way into the stadium. Get her on the way out of the stadium. Get the two of them uh, going to dinner coming out of their no-tell, motel, hotel, whatever. They are big news now. And this has been interpreted, for the most part, as good for each industry, the NFL and pop music. So we go down that, let's go down that trail a minute. Why is it good for the NFL? Well, here you've got the star of the year, I guess you'd call her. I think she's on Time Magazine. Coming to the football games. Football, let's be sure we understand what we're talking about here. It's a manly sport. People die out there. People break their necks and their arms, and and that's what they're trying to do. It's a tough, tough, unforgiving, very, very alpha dog sport. Let's let that groundwork go down first. It is an alpha dog sport. And it is all about, we dominate you and take your land. That's what a touchdown is. And my friend who played once upon a time for Vince Lombardi, I asked him, I said, what is it about Lombardi that's different from the other coaches? And he said that Vince Lombardi 
was able to convince grown men that the commies were coming when the ball was kicked off to rape their mothers on the 50-yard line. And they believed it. Hence, you get Paul Horning, Jim Taylor, Bart Starr, Kramer, these guys. They dominate the NFL. They got a little extra zip back then. So let's not make any qualms about that. Let's get the groundwork laid. So here's Kelsey, doing pretty well in this manly sport, bringing this very feminine, who to thunk it, girl to the games. And they are the sweetheart of the press. Recently, however, though, and this is the backstory. The Kansas City Chiefs lose a couple games. Now, they're the Super Bowl champion from last year. They lose a couple games. And they lost this last Sunday. Well, the other players in that league, the manly men, begin to push old Kelsey around out there. After the whistle, bump him in, push him around. Gotta make fun of him. Hey, manly man, with the girlfriend who wears your number on her stocking cap? Hey, manly man, how'd she like this? Kapow. They unload on him, and he drops a pass he might otherwise have caught. But they're in his head now, ever so slightly. Because don't make any bones about it. He's a tough dude. What? What? They got a crack in the door. And they hammer on him, shut him down, especially for his statistics, a couple weekends in a row, and the Chiefs lose. And this begins to wear on him. So I think production's got this ready to run. There's a bad moment in this last game for Kelsey. He either dropped a ball or something went wrong. He comes over to the sideline and slings his helmet. Let's take a look at that. We got to run. Now that's dangerous. Those helmets, they're built to protect you. But you don't want to get clobbered in the head with one coming from some irate player who's throwing it at point blank range. And who knows what? It is so much in need of discipline. I think our production has got this. The head coach comes over to Kelsey and bumps into him and says, hey, knock this crap off, man. I think that's in there. I think production will run up on that. Well, here's go. Here. Okay, 
I can hear him on my ear. He says, that part's not in there, but he can find it. And when he finds it, we'll show it to you because that's, that's uh, interesting. When you're the darling of the team, and there's several darlings on that team, mainly it's the quarterback, and it's all the rapport between the quarterback and the tight end, but the tight end does, displays this. And the coach comes over and makes sure that it's understood, the coach, that he, the coach, is the alpha dog. You think you got it, Zach? I'm watching here, see if we got it. Yeah, there it is. There it is. There you go, buddy. Run that back, Zach. That's that's a big moment there. That's a big moment, my friends. That's in front of his girlfriend, too. That's the alpha dog, buddy. The head coach, he's telling that guy, hey, buddy, I run this team, not you. You don't do that crap. Let's just get that straight right now. Boom. There you go, buddy. Now, if it weren't public, let me just make this suggestion. If it weren't practice and this kind of crap went on, it might be a little tougher on the part of the coach. Wind sprints, I, you know, it, it, it's whatever. That coach decides needs to be done. This is absolutely essential for that coach if he's to have respect among his players because his other players are watching that. And they want to see if he, he's going to deal with it or he's going to be treated as a favorite because he's got the damsel in the stands. Well, that coach has said, I don't, care. I don't give a damn about that damsel. You need to get your head on straight. I wanted to run that moment by you because that's uh, seen that many a time. Never quite like that. Never where you had the world's starstruck entertainer, Taylor Swift, in the box up there, watching her manly man, A, throw an unbecoming fit. You won't see... A lot of great ones ever do that. They'll just go back out on the field and do it better. And then, of course, the coach. Now, this I, I, I submit to you because the uh, game of football has really it's not just football, it's the NIL and 
the collective. The collective collects the money, and the money is spent on the player. That's how it works. And the player is bought. I believe the player for who's sitting on the bench, who is Manning's son at Ole Miss, I believe it's Ole Miss, is making more money than the player, Texas. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. He's at Texas. Sitting on the bench, though, right? Right, Zach? Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not starting. Um, he's making more money than the guy who is running the 49ers. Have I got that right, production? Because the contract. Yeah. Manning, the son of Archie Manning, and the other Peyton Man, that bunch, is making $1.5 million a year sitting on the pines at Texas while the quarterback for the 49ers is making about 800000 So he's about double the starting quarterback salary for the 49ers while he rides the pines at Texas. There you go. I'll take a sip of caliber on that. Meanwhile, you remember poor old Pete Rose. Pete Rose, they're never going to let him in the Hall of Fame. He bet on games. He coached, I think, while, while he was coaching him, he bet on. Now, everything it seems, is fair game to be bet on. I ran across this in my research about where we are with our obsession with this sport and the betting and all that. And it's an article called The College Football Game That Mystified Vegas. And it was the UNLV game with New Mexico last month. And there was a surge of suspicious bets on that game that came in, and nobody knew why. It was the first Saturday in November. The Las Vegas sports books were preparing, of course, for a heavy day of action. They had the Breeders' Cup, they had the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. But bet MGM officials were curious about why a seemingly inconsequential matchup between two mostly anonymous schools from the relatively insignificant Mountain West Conference had an unusual number of people registering for new online accounts and immediately plunking down money on UNLV 
to beat New Mexico. Now, this, this drew some interest. If it had been Alabama and LSU, bet MGM would not have been so curious. But it was UNLV and New Mexico. And then, on top of it, UNLV won in a route, which allowed all those new bettors to cash in. Now, that caused a lot of consternation because nobody could say with any certainty what actually had happened. There's an outfit called U.S. Integrity. It wrapped up its own investigation. It did not have any conclusive answers. And since this article, no evidence has emerged suggesting that anything was untoward. There's no satisfying explanation for why one of the biggest sports books in America had all these betters wagering on an obscure game in what was then the middle of the college football season. Now, these are some numbers. A typical Mountain West game receives a total of about $7 million to $9 million in bets at regulated sports books around the country. But the bets on this game were 35 to 40% higher. Now, Supreme Court is the one who paved the way for legal sports gambling in 2018. Everyone realizes there's a threat of a significant match-fixing scandal. But nobody before has had the ability to bet on games in such a dramatic way because now smartphones can place wagers within seconds. So that has changed what is going on. Still, gambling experts say that overt match fixing in football is difficult because you have to get so many people involved in affecting the outcome. But Kelsey, I guess, could do it on his own by dropping a pass from Mahomes. What's their motive? I mean, they're already multi-multi-millionaires. Um, Mahomes could miss him. Field goal kicker. It's hard enough for them to get it through without deliberately missing. So, what's going on here? The mystery is still out there. 
This is an article that was in the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal, to take up an interest in this, means it's a, hit the marquee. The clearest sign of any corruption in this game would be if any bets came from somebody with a known connection to New Mexico's football program. And in Integrity's investigations, nothing of that nature was discovered. So, sometimes, of course, injury to a key player can move the betting line. Meaning any last minute changes in the lineup or absences from the uh, roster. That never happened in this game either. So it is still a mystery. It is uh, not even apparent that a lot of people convinced other people to create new accounts in their own names and bet on that one game. Isn't that interesting? Here we have got a kid riding the pines in Texas who has a nice pedigree, the name Manning, who is making twice as much money as the guy playing on the field in the NFL in a competitive team is making. And people betting on their phones. I just put that in the stories today because if you want to watch football right now, you cannot see enough of it all day long. You're going to see it all weekend. You're going to see it all next week. Money. 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 Now, the whole issue in college football right now, who are the best teams? Well, they were picked by people who know. I guess in an ideal world, you'd have the winner of each conference play through a system and ultimately you'd know not only who the winner was but who the strongest conference was but everybody knows pretty much that the strongest conference right now is either the SEC or the Big Ten so we're going to see a matchup though Ole Miss and Penn State I believe I got my teams right. There's so much to keep straight. I apologize if I don't have it right. But um, crazy stuff. But think about Mr. Kelsey getting roughed up by his coach in front of his girlfriend. Huh? Or acting like a child, having a temper tantrum, and throwing his helmet. It ain't all about you, Kelsey. 
Hello. We're going to take a break for Ward's Rather. Be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. All right, coach. Last year, the best party in Gator Nation was a Spurrier's Bison's Rooftop. But now, we're in 23, we're celebrating this year. What the restaurant has planned for this year, New Year's Eve? That's right. We got usual great food here at Spurrier's. We got wonderful music, and it's the best way to ring in 2024. It's going to be Advisor's Rooftop Bar from 7 through midnight to about 1 a.m. We got elevated hors d'oeuvres. We got sparkling wine pairings. We're going to dance to the DJ Elio here. All through the night, got to be 21 and older, but the tickets are going fast. And so how much are the tickets for? The visor party tickets are $125 a piece, and trust me, you'll get your money's worth. Now, Coach, where can we purchase the ticket? You can purchase the tickets at www.spurriers.com. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaners, r r Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show... Thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward's Weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil, Chevron Stations. 
Well, well, well. Here we're pretty much up between 50 right now and 70 later on today, maybe 65, and then down in the 40s this evening. That's tolerable. But AccuWeather meteorologists have indicated as a powerful storm that is going to be bringing ice and a blizzard across the plains, the upper Midwest, and even down to the Mississippi River Valley, especially around St. Louis. Uh, that'll be coming in tonight along the I-70 corridor. So uh, there you go. If you watched one of the games yesterday from Maryland, as I say, I can't keep them straight. The rain was coming down so heavily that a guy couldn't see a pass that was thrown at him to catch and it plunked him in the head. So this is a bad weather time in the Midwest generally. Well, we've been talking about, you know, it's kind of a slow world right now for news because um, New Year's and then it's Christmas. But some stuff keeps going on. And one of them, I thought I'd heard just about every version of the story. But this is a new wrinkle. So I think it originated out on Instagram and um, worked its way out into the news little networks like that you can check in on down. And I don't think I found it on Breitbart. Uh, I think it was somewhere else, but anyway, starts out on Instagram. There's a woman who claims, I learned a new word, that she is echo sexual. Have you heard about this? I don't want to bore you if you heard about it. A woman who claims to be echo sexual and that she is in an erotic relationship with a tree. The tree is an oak tree. Well, if she's going to have a love affair, an oak tree is a pretty good one to have. This woman is named Sonia Semyonova. She's 45 years old. She claims she connected, connected with the tree during her lonely solo walks in the summer of 2021. And those walks began in 2020 during the coronavirus pandemic. And so she had moved to Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada. And she was said she was walking a path near the tree five days a week for the whole winter when she began to notice a connection with the tree. 
explaining that the way she knew this was that she had a rush of erotic energy that comes when you meet a new partner. And so you know how human beings think. Seeing no other human being around, I assume, no male, she did the logical thing, right? She assumed it was the tree. And you know, I found a little trouble dismissing this. I really couldn't dismiss it all that easily. As some nutcase out there walking in the woods. And let me tell you why. Way back when, Santa Fe College first began, it had two campuses. One was called the East Campus, and it was the old Hotel Thomas. And teachers basically could look out their classroom windows at a wonderful lawn that had trees and was part of an actual private home at one time. I think it was Colonel Thomas. And then that became a Hotel Thomas. I had a friend who was teaching logic. I really respected this woman a lot. First of all, she was a doctor, had had a PhD, taught mathematics, taught logic, very sensible woman. The thing that always impressed me about her is she also knew grammar very well. She wasn't, quote-unquote, lopsided. She knew the rules of good, clear writing, and she knew the rules of how to think clearly with numbers. I haven't, she's still alive, up in her 80s. haven't talked to her for a while. I'd love to tell her about this, because we were talking about Liberals in college. Oh, a couple of years ago, we went to lunch together. And we were talking about people who really didn't do anything in the classroom of substantial standard. And she made a point that One day she was in her class on the second floor of the Hotel Thomas teaching logic and math and her hands were covered in chalk because she'd been writing on the board. And the kids were having a tough time grabbing the concepts, so she'd been going over it pretty thoroughly. At one point she walked to the window And the windows of the hotel were big double-hung windows, wonderful windows. You could look out onto the lawn. 
And she looked out onto the lawn, and there were maybe 15 students sitting cross-legged in a circle around a tree. She kind of blinked. She saw the teacher down there. She kind of blinked, but went back to teaching her class in logic and mathematics and covered in chalk and went over a rigorous lesson. Later that day, she said she was in the hall and she saw one of her students from another class who had been around that tree. And so she asked that student, hey, I saw you around that tree. You all were sitting cross-legged. What were you doing? The student said, quite matter-of-factly, oh, that's our psychology class. Our teacher was telling us that if we all got in a circle around that tree and concentrated, we could move that tree. Well, my friend just blinked and went on about her business and told me years later, I was so jealous of that teacher that all you had to do was put the kids in a circle around a tree and tell them to think in the tree and move here I am up there covered in chalk and they're not understanding a thing which they need to understand if they want to go through college successfully. So that story comes to mind when I read about this echosexual woman claiming she's in an erotic relationship with a tree. This is the weirdest climate change climate change story, I think, I've ever heard. I mean, how else can you cut it? And then she went on describing her erotic experiences with the tree. Now, I guess we can read these without having, you know, your mother come to the room and say, put your hands over your ears, right? But she says she would lie against the tree and there was an eroticism about something, here we go, you ready? So big and so old, holding my back. Wow. Wow. You know, the years don't quite match up. Or I would believe that this woman had been a student years and years ago in that class my good friend happened to see out her window. And then she goes into this whole deal that watching the seasons change is an erotic act to her and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I got no problem with that. Everybody has his or her 
owned, do they not? Fiddler, right? But then you can go take a leapfrog and read this. And you can see the connection. You know, one of the bedrocks of our culture is the ownership of private property. There is a pretty lengthy analysis here that the journal has gone into. And it's not the first time I've heard this. That seizing private land could be, and they're already doing it, the next step in the fight against climate change. It's called eminent domains, we know. And it's becoming the weapon of choice against opposition to large wind and solar projects that are being planned and constructed around the United States. We're being fed this dream of net zero carbon emissions. This woman must believe that. And to make that happen, the analysis here points out that you would need to blanket hundreds of millions of acres of American land with wind turbines and solar panels. But the problem with that is most of the land in America is still privately owned and many Americans don't want these massive industrial installations near their homes. But the Biden administration has a major effort going on. You got to keep an eye on this guy all the time to consolidate power over land and resources. The people who are really keyed into this right now are the Nevada ranchers who have been embroiled in decade-long fights with federal agencies over control of land, and some of them have already lost that fight. They are particularly sensitive to some of this Green New Deal language and renewable energy industry. I I say this because if you're going to lean up against an oak tree and fall in love with the oak tree, I can see you would be against anybody owning that oak tree and preventing you from getting to it. Now, to be sure, 
the goal of net zero carbon dioxide, CO2 emissions by 2050, would require consuming more than 250,000 square miles or 160 million acres of land. But if they really tighten up on their installations, calculations show that this land consumption or acquisition or eminent domain takeover could be reduced to an area the size of Arizona, a whole state. 70% or 1.3 billion acres of the land of our contiguous 48 states is currently privately owned. That's all that's keeping eminent domain from coming in because these privately owned people still vote and still get on boards. So this is another argument for being involved politically because if you don't, the saying is control depends upon who shows up. If you don't show up and put your contestant in for the office, believe you me, somebody else will. Do you not agree? And yet, right now, let's take a look here. Voting. The people of this country do not believe that the voting process is uncorrupted. They don't believe it. About a third of the Republicans, here are the statistics. About a third of Republicans believe the votes will not be counted correctly in 2024. This is from the Associated Press. 32% of Republicans, voters, believe the votes likely will not be counted correctly. The AP poll found, are you surprised by this? That 72% of Democrat voters have high confidence their party will count the votes accurately. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big difference. That is an amazing difference. 
I don't know that we're in for smooth sailing. Over the summer, a poll from Monmouth found that about three out of 10 Americans believe that Biden only won the 2020 election due to voter B. And these survey results were about the same as a similar Monmouth poll that was carried out in November 2022. But all the Democrat voters, about 93%, said Biden won the election fairly. Only 21% of Republicans believe that he won it fairly. Pretty big difference. There are two different worlds. We think these supervisors of elections should be nonpartisan. Another document I ran across a survey. More than one in five mail-in voters admits to cheating in the 2020 election. Right, Bart. The survey asked those who voted by mail in the 2020 election if they filled out a ballot in part or in full on behalf of a friend or family member, such as a spouse or a child to which 21% said they had done so. The rub here is that many states allow voters to receive assistance while voting. Ballots are filled out on behalf of another person. It's illegal across the United States. But you can get assistance. 17% of mail-in voters in the 2020 election said they cast a ballot in a state where they were no longer a permanent resident, which is a violation of federal election law. Another 17% of mail-in voters said they signed a ballot on behalf of someone else, which is also a violation of election law. Yet, you've been repeatedly told that the 2020 election was the most secure in history. The the problem has been mail-in voting. In the 2020 election, mail-in voting skyrocketed as the states loosen election laws because of COVID. COVID is what got Biden elected. It has to be. Well, we're going to get into migrants, but we don't have enough time. 
want to thank production for queuing up the Kelsey story. Kind of funny. Get ready for just a, not a tree orgy, but a football orgy today. And henceforth, we're going to take Monday and Tuesday off next week. And we'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.